0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. A big move today from the province to crack down on short-term rentals in BC. The NDP government is introducing new legislation to tightly restrict them and hopefully increase housing supply. Richard Zussman has the details.
1: A long-term crackdown on short-term rentals. I think at at this stage, British Columbians who are looking for a place to rent or to buy understand that there's no silver bullet that's going to address uh, the housing crisis we've faced.
2: Cozy Victoria apartment.
1: The goal here is to bring suites back to the long term rental market, ensuring the only short term rentals are in a person's primary residence, including a secondary suite that can also be rented out. This applies to all municipalities bigger than 10,000 people. 14 resort based communities are exempt, including Whistler, Tofino, Soyuz, and Revelstoke. It will make a difference for every single family that accesses a unit. Uh, that used to be in a short-term rental and uh, it comes into long-term rental. Currently, Vancouver, Victoria and other municipalities have short-term rental bylaws. But almost 50% of operators are breaking those rules. The new legislation will increase fines. It will require short-term rental companies to share data and join a registry. And the province is launching a provincial short-term rental compliance and enforcement unit. So having this data is really going to help because then we can take a data-driven approach, which is something that everyone can benefit from. Right now, there are 280,000 listings in B.C. for short-term rentals, up 20% from a year ago, with 16,000 homes off the market. The top 10% of all hosts earn nearly 50% of the revenues. In a statement, Airbnb, a major operator, says the legislation will take money out of the pockets of British Columbians, make travel more unaffordable for millions of residents who travel within B.C., and reduce tourism spending in communities where hosts are often the only providers.
3: We've lost a lot of our motel space in the last couple of years, so it's difficult for families to be able to afford to travel. Uh, So that may or may not have impact, but I would suggest that we need to actually look at this in conjunction with actually adding additional hotel and hospitality spaces.
1: The new regulations will come into effect May 1st of next year. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
0: All right, Keith Baldry joins us now with more on the changes to short-term rentals. Keith, let's talk about these fines and enforcement for people who break the rules.
4: Yeah, and this is what municipalities and mayors and councils have been looking for for some time. They've got their own laws on the books, in many cases unenforceable. And a lot of owners uh, say this is basically the cost of doing business, pay a $1,000 fine but make $3,000 for short-term rentals. Here's a list again how the new fines are going to break down starting May 1st. Uh, Airbnb, $3,000 daily fine, that's per infraction. That's up from $1,000. So that number can add up pretty darn quickly. Uh, $50,000 maximum fine can come from your local Regional district, because they really don't like what you're seeing. And there's going to be a bl- brand new, new compliance and enforcement unit to track offenders, basically to see how everyone's doing, gather data, and recommend penalties and crackdowns on those offenders. Uh, Ravi Kalan, the housing minister, walking us through the changes today, saying basically trying to put BC on a par footing with Quebec.
5: So the fine amount has moved from what was originally $1,000 a day to $3,000 a day. Uh, There will be uh, a fine associated with hosts for them to comply as well, which we're going to work through in regulations in the the coming weeks. But it will be similar to what we've seen uh, in Quebec.
4: So keep in mind, a lot of these things are potentially subject to change planning to see what works and what doesn't work. So maybe fine levels could be adjusted, increased or decreased over time. Nevertheless, they kick in on May 1st and there's a new compliance board watching carefully to ensure no one breaks the new law and the new rules.
0: Mm, Let's hope it has the desired effect. All right, Keith. Thanks very much for that. Keith Baldry and Victoria. Now, the provincial government is also introducing changes to the Police Act, giving it the power to force through the policing transition in Surrey. As Catherine Urquhart reports, the new rules will also set out guidelines so other municipalities won't experience the debacle taking place in Surrey now.
6: As the protracted battle over which agency should police Surrey drags on... Introduction of bills. The provincial government is taking strong action. It has announced changes to the Police Act, which would force an end to the non-stop back and forth.
7: The legislation also contains provisions that provide clarity and finality to the people of Surrey regarding their ongoing transition. Amendments to the Act will specify that the city of Surrey must provide policing services through a municipal police department.
6: This comes just days after Surrey announced it was seeking a judicial review as it tries to
2: stop the transition from the RCMP to Surrey Police Service. The city of Surrey has made a position, we're not uh, changing that position and so uh, we'll be reviewing the legislation and see what happens as we move forward.
6: Bill 36 would also give the province authority to cancel existing agreements between Surrey and the RCMP. And it addresses potential issues involving the Surrey Police Board, on which Mayor Locke serves as chair.
7: This legislation also provides government the ability, if necessary, to appoint an administrator to assume the functions of the Surrey Police Board to oversee the Surrey Police Service.
6: Surrey's former mayor, who started the transition, is welcoming the legislation.
7: Let's get on and governing Surrey, accept the fact the decision has been made uh, and accept $150 million and let's get our, our new police
2: going. The offer of $150 million that the province gave us absolutely pales in comparison what the ultimate costs are going to be to the city and we will do everything always to protect our taxpayer.
8: All those in favour say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carried.
2: If approved,
6: amendments would also clarify the process of changing police agencies so that in the future, the endless uncertainty experienced in Surrey is never repeated. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
0: And the public safety minister says more Police Act changes are coming to protect female police officers against sexual harassment and abuse. Global News broke a story last week of a proposed class action launched by six current and former female municipal police officers claiming gender-based harassment and bullying, and citing a lack of follow-up by management. That lawsuit names all 13 of BC's municipal police forces, along with the Office of the Police Complaints Commissioner and the Public Safety Minister.
7: We want to ensure that, that all uh, police officers have a safe working environment that is free from harassment. Um, what is work is also underway on uh, significant amendments to the police act uh, that comes out of the work of the all party committee uh, on police act reform uh, those recommendations are being worked on including things such as the police complaints commissioner and the investigation office but obviously also issues dealing with harassment and my expect well that is the, the next
0: phase the allegations have not been proven in court. So far, the defendants have not filed legal responses to the suit. A string of vehicle break-ins in North Vancouver has RCMP hoping for the safe return of a stolen urn containing a loved one's ashes. Around 10.30 Saturday morning, Mounties received reports of vehicles being broken into in the 500 block of West 21st Street. One of the victims had an urn identical to this one with the date 090909 on it, stolen from a white Kia Forte. Police say clearly it's an item of great sentimental value to the owner, and they are hoping the culprit will do the right thing and return it. If you have any information that can help, please call North Vancouver RCMP. Two days after a suspicious fire destroyed Port Coquitlam's Hazel Trembath School, teachers and the school district are scrambling to set up classes in another building. But as Grace Key reports, it's not just students and teachers feeling the impact of the fire. A busy daycare lost
3: everything too. At Winslow Center, the sign Hazel Trembath-Strong greets everyone. It's going to be a massive effort to get the former high school ready for more than 200 students and staff after the K-5 Port Coquitlam School burned to the ground on Saturday in a suspicious fire.
2: And we have the room next door as well, so that will open up more space.
3: The school was also home to Hazelwood Early Learning Center. Tri-City Church has offered a temporary location for their three- to five-year-old program. They still need space for their before and after school program, and some long-term. Those classrooms have been put together over years um, and uh, I miss them already. Um, It's
2: it's gonna be a long time to find the new location and make it a home again. The um, three to five children use the school library, and they join the whole school every Friday for their bounce activity program. So we're, we
3: are really involved in the school community, and now I feel like we're very separated. The city of Port Coquitlam also making it a priority to get the ball rolling with the licensing department meeting with daycare providers.
9: I'm really pleased that you know people have just been moving heaven and earth, working as hard as they can to find solutions, and and really at the end of the day, making sure that people our community are being taken care of and they know that uh there's support there and we, we have each other's back in this city
3: the city is promising to do what it can to expedite the building of a new school saying they've had positive feedback from the province
7: It's a terrible tragedy for our community hazel Trembath school has been part of the community for for just about 50 years uh, but what i can tell you is uh the school will be rebuilt uh, and it is the, the province's policy to rebuild.
3: The city of Port Coquitlam is taking donations at its community center, Hyde Creek Rec Center, and City Hall. The city website has a full list of items needed. The district is taking monetary donations, and on Wednesday, the Port Coquitlam Community Center will be open for free to Hazel Trembath students. No word yet on when the new school will be welcoming its students. Grace Key, Global News.
0: It is the start of Variety Week here at Global BC, a week that we know can have a huge impact on countless lives across the province. Your donations could help Amara get a power wheelchair or help Charlotte get the speech and language sessions that she needs to help her communicate. And all week during the news hour, Variety will have a special incentive to donate and join the names that you see on our screen. Generous sponsors will be doubling the impact of your dollars. And tonight, John Dornbosch of MSA Ford and Richmond Elevator will be matching your donations up to $25,000. So please donate now. And special thanks to everybody on that list who's already made a donation super easy to donate. Do it now if you can. In the meantime, supplies are starting to run out in Gaza.
10: It's like a a death sentence for 2.5 million civilians.
0: With fears of full-scale military operation by Israel to root out Hamas terrorists, thousands are fleeing for safety and finding few resources to help them. That's next on the News Hour.
5: So I do wear a dry suit because of the temperature.
0: B.C.'s underwater treasure hunter and the discarded junk he finds on the bottom later on the news hour. Also, how Variety helped the family that suffered back to back medical emergencies. That's coming up as well. But right now, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says President Joe Biden will travel to Israel on Wednesday. That comes amid deepening concerns that the get. conflict between Israel and Hamas could expand into a regional war. Afterward, Biden is expected to discuss humanitarian aid with Arab leaders in Jordan. Iran has warned that American assistance could cause the conflict to spread. As the Israel-Hamas war rages on, the siege on Gaza is making conditions more dire by the hour. And for a second day, promises a border crossing would open to allow in humanitarian aid failed to happen. Jeff Semple reports from Jerusalem. <laughs> Gaza's
9: healthcare system is on the verge of collapse.
10: It's falling apart uh, in every uh, kind of junction in, in the system.
9: The UN warns in the coming hours hospitals in Gaza will run out of fuel. They're also dangerously low on water, medicine, even staff.
10: In total, Israel has killed 14 doctors and 13 nurses.
9: Dr. Hassan Abusita told Global News the water pressure in his hospital is so low they can no longer sterilize their equipment. Israel said Sunday it was restarting the supply of water, but only to southern Gaza. Have you heard anything about... uh whether that the water has been restored or something. No,
10: I'm drinking like some kind of salty water from a well right now.
9: This Canadian and his family are trapped in Gaza. His family followed Israel's evacuation order last week, leaving their home in northern Gaza to head south. Even in the south, he says, they're still being bombed. And now they're stuck along with thousands of others near the Egyptian border. No one getting out and no aid getting in.
2: 80 percent of Gazans before this crisis were dependent on aid. Uh, We can assume that 100 percent of the population will need this aid. Is in dire need of water, of fuel, of food.
9: Hundreds of tons of aid and supplies are stuck on the Egyptian side of the border, Egypt and aid groups blaming Israeli airstrikes.
0: So Israel can open the border tomorrow and can allow relief. And that's Primarily, is the Israeli responsibility.
9: In response to calls for a ceasefire, Israel's Prime Minister's office published this terse statement. There is currently no ceasefire and humanitarian aid in the Gaza Strip in exchange for the expulsion of foreigners. Jeff Semple, Global News, Jerusalem.
11: Frustrations and lines of people remain at the Rafah crossing, waiting for clarification on whether they will be able to leave Gaza thousands of people including many with foreign passports remain stalled.
12: No water, no food, no nothing, no no life here. No life. I don't know I don't know how they thinking
0: about people.
11: Federal officials say there are more than 6800 Canadians registered in Israel. There are around 300 Canadians permanent residents and people with connections to the country stuck in Gaza, including former Calgarian Mansour Shuman and his wife as well as five children.
10: Israel stopped the Electricity, stop the water supply, uh, cut off, um, like there's no food coming in from from, from either side. Uh, It's like a death death sentence for two and a half million civilians.
11: He noted water and food are limited as humanitarian aid remains held up on the Egyptian side of the Rafah crossing. The Prime Minister says 10 Canadian Armed Forces flights have seen 1,300 people airlifted from Tel Aviv. Monday also marked the departure of the first bus from the West Bank for Jordan. It had 21 Canadians on
10: board. And the Minister of International Development is leading conversations with his international counterparts and with aid organizations, making sure essential support is getting to affected people.
11: While Justin Trudeau called for humanitarian supports to roll through and demanded for dozens of hostages to be released, opposition critics are calling for Ottawa to do more.
6: Canada could do more and they must do more. Demand their release again and again. And we pray for their fate and their safe return. Why won't this government stand up for international law and call for a ceasefire?
11: Global Affairs Canada says five Canadians have died and three are still missing since Hamas's attack on October 7th. Kyle Benning. Global News.
0: Surrey RCMP needs some help to identify the suspect in a possible hate-motivated incident. On Friday evening, a man was captured throwing eggs at a rabbi's house in Surrey. The property was also targeted with graffiti, a swastika symbol. Surrey RCMP are now looking to identify this man who was seen leaving the area on foot. He's described as a 25 to 35-year-old man. He wore a purple jacket and black Adidas sweatpants. Anyone with information is asked to call surrey rcmp or crime stoppers just ahead the surgery struggle in bc
2: but what about all the other thousands of people in british columbia that are waiting
0: the unbearable pain that prompted her to pay thousands of dollars out of pocket rather than wait for relief in this province plus
13: this is an important conversation for everyone to be having
0: The staggering impact of menopause to the Canadian economy and the urgent need for better supports.
8: We have a healthy flow of traffic across the Portman Bridge this afternoon and as you head into Surrey, there's really no problems or Langley eastbound. The real problems eastbound are in the Burnaby Lake stretch from Kensington through to Ghilardi. By the time you get to Brunette, though, you're back to full speed and no problems across the the, uh, Portman Bridge. Uh, The gold standard is one thing, but Craftsman Collision sets the aluminum standard by being Ford Aluminum certified at all 45 locations. Craftsman Collision, BC's Favorite body shop. In the Global Traffic
0: Center, I'm Brad Russell. Thank you very much to Scott Groves, Peter Ruddock, Susan Tether from Delta, all the rest of the people on that list. We're very lucky that at Global BC, we have the most generous viewers, people who've pledged to support children by donating to Variety. And tonight, those pledges go even further because John Dornbosch from MSA Ford. And Richmond Elevator will be matching donations up to $25,000 throughout the news hour. So take advantage of that generous offer and please donate now if you can. A Vancouver Island woman and Order of B.C. recipient is recovering from hip replacement surgery she paid for in Alberta. As Erin MacArthur reports, she felt she had no option because her condition was only getting worse and she had no idea when she might get the surgery here. One step at
14: a time, Tracy Porteous rehabbing her newly replaced hip, the pain in recovery a fraction of what she felt before the surgery.
2: I've already been on opioids now for months and I can't walk and I'm only 64. Here is the hip that was done.
14: Porteous first sought care for knee and hip pain in 2021.
2: And if you see all of this... You can...
14: She was referred to a surgeon at Rebalance MD in Sanich in December of that year. By July of this year, her case was considered urgent. Three months passed and there was no scheduled surgery. Her and her partner took the drastic measure of paying for the surgery privately in Alberta, adding $28,000 to her mortgage to do it.
2: And then out of our pocket, we paid for our flights and our Airbnb and our costs there. And so we figured probably all in was, was about another 6,000.
14: According to health professionals, the issue is not a lack of surgeons or OR space, but a lack of staff, especially nursing support. The government maintains BC has increased orthopedic
7: surgeries across the province. Between January and August 31st, we, we did uh, more than 13,000 more hours of surgery and we dramatically increased. Uh, care for both hip and knee replacements.
14: While there is plenty of hospital capacity being built, the current waitlist situation is far from ideal. According to the government, there are 4,600 people on the hip replacement waiting list. Rebalance MD in Victoria says that number is vastly underreported. This morning, we had 4,100 patients uh, that are waiting for surgery for orthopedics. And literally three weeks ago, that number was 3,800. And so you can see that that it just continues to spiral out of control. Portia says of the eight patients in Calgary getting operations the day she was there, four were from B.C.
2: I've been lucky enough to have the credit rating to allow the bank to give me a loan. But what about all the other thousands of people in British Columbia that are waiting?
0: Aaron MacArthur, Global News. More women in the workforce as they age is forcing employers to acknowledge the impacts of menopause. A new study shows unmanaged menopause symptoms are costing the economy billions of dollars. Kylie Stanton reports.
12: They say menopause is a journey and women have had little choice but to roll
3: with the challenges. It was becoming increasingly difficult to manage. I was getting chronic migraines. It took me two or three hours before I could even face the world.
12: Michelle Sexton is one of countless women who've made the difficult decision to leave their job and money on the table. Because they're stepping back from roles, they're reducing hours, they're going part-time due to these unmanaged symptoms. A new report by the Menopause Foundation of Canada details the economic impact of this trend, estimating it costs $3.5 billion annually. The breakdown shows the cost to employers totals $237 million in lost productivity, but women are bearing the brunt at $3.3 billion.
13: Employers play a key role in terms of um, ensuring that an investment is being made in women's health. According to the report, 32%
12: of women surveyed said menopause negatively impacted their performance at work. 24% hid their symptoms of hormonal imbalance, while 87% said their workplace did not provide menopause support, such as medical coverage or flexible work policies. It's a great time to be talking about this in the workplace and in the community at large. The Menopause Foundation of Canada is now calling on employers to take action to reverse this trend by creating more inclusive workplaces. And we've created a new campaign called Menopause Works Here because we need to support people through All changes in life, as we've done with mental health, as we've done with pregnancy. This is just another normal phase of life, and um, the time has come to pay attention to it. And in the meantime, ahead of World Menopause Day, advocates say it's important to remember, while the experience may be unique to every woman, one thing they all have in common is they're not alone
3: reach out because it's
12: so so lonely a journey if you're by yourself. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
15: Coming up a planned ignition in the shoe under fire. And they only had two hours to, to burn 2,600 hectares which is basically impossible. The complaint accusing the BC wildfire
0: service of gross negligence during the Bush Creek East wildfire. Plus, construction workers get their wish for better bathrooms on the job site.
8: Good evening, and welcome back, having a look at the Arthur-Lang Bridge, and no problems on the bridge deck. (laughs) I just from earlier, three incidences. There was two crashes and a spun-out vehicle in the 3 o'clock hour. Now, typical volume delays through the Marpole region, Granville, Southwest Marine, and Oak Street at 70th Avenue, the right lane northbound is blocked for some construction, a bit of a slow go as you come off of the bridge deck. Select Sussex Insurance and make a difference. When you renew your auto plan online, select your neighborhood Sussex Insurance location when Prompted and help support Diabetes Canada, exclusively at Suffolk Insurance. In the Global One Traffic Centre, I'm Brad Russell.
0: The provincial government is mandating construction sites with 25 workers or more must have toilets that flush. Premier David Eby made the announcement at the B.C. Building Trades Council's Constitutional Convention in Victoria. The news comes after the union relaunched its Get Flushed campaign, which pushed for flush toilets on larger construction sites. It argues the widespread use of portable toilets on work sites is undignified, unsanitary, and deterring people from joining the industry. The details are still being developed, but the union says it's pleased the province is at least acting. B.C.'s Forest Watchdog has confirmed it's investigating the province's response to wildfires that tore through communities in the Shushwap this past summer. As Jaden Wozni reports, some in the region believe planned ignitions are responsible for at least some of the destruction.
16: The B.C. Forest Practices Board says it has launched an investigation after receiving a complaint about the B.C. Wildfire Service's use of a planned ignition on the Bush Creek East Wildfire back on August 17th. In a statement to Global, the Forest Practices Board says BC Wildfire Service has been notified and Forest Practices Board is arranging to go on-site this month. A panel will consider the investigators' findings and recommendations may be made. Lee Creek resident Jim Cooperman says he was the one who filed the complaint with the board, alleging gross negligence by BC Wildfire Service after staging a controlled burn just two kilometers from his home near BC Hydro Transmission lines.
15: They wanted to get the area burnt off before the winds shifted and would have blown the existing fire towards us. But they waited quite a long time before doing it, and they only had two hours. to to burn 2,600 hectares, which is basically
17: impossible.
16: After completing the controlled burn, BC Wildfire Service stated that the operation was largely successful, but Cooperman says that message put people's lives in danger because when the fire began to creep closer towards populated areas and an evacuation was issued, some residents were not prepared. People
15: were leaving, but some people... You know, if you're not on the internet and you, your neighbors aren't phoning you and you're thinking things are all right, well, they are trapped because that fire came down to the road. And although the the bridge was being watered, they couldn't get out.
16: As the threat of climate change continues to cause concern for many, Cooperman hopes
15: people will prepare themselves for more severe wildfire seasons in the future. We're going to get more hot summers and more difficult wind events and more lightning and more wildfires and everybody needs to get better prepared. We reached out to BC Wildfire
16: Service for reaction but did not hear back in time for broadcast. The estimated timeline for the investigation is six months to a year. Jaden Wozni, Global News. It
0: is Variety Week here at Global BC, and all week we'll have some inspiring stories about the ripple effect your donations have for BC families. There's Charlotte in Victoria, Amara in Quinnell, Marshall in Vernon, and many more, but we start tonight in Richmond, where Isla had a traumatic start to her young life. I
18: Can kind of remember Ian coming into my room at BGH and just saying, listen, that like something happened, and Isla's really sick. Um, and I couldn't understand in that moment um, how serious it was. And I think everyone was kind of trying to protect me um, from the truth. Catherine
13: was in the hospital after suffering a severe stroke while she was pregnant with her daughter, Isla, forcing doctors to deliver Isla preterm. That, on its own, would turn any family upside down. However, while Catherine was recovering, Isla contracted bacterial meningitis and was immediately rushed back to hospital.
11: The fear kind of turned into like a complete nightmare. Catherine was still in the hospital while Ayla was being rushed through all these emergency procedures.
13: Bacterial meningitis is an infection of membranes in the spinal cord and brain, and it can be fatal. Doctors were able to treat the infection, but the damage to Isla's brain left her with cerebral palsy.
18: I think when disability enters your life, there's so much that is unexpected and different than you imagined, and that you have to kind of grieve the expectation of what you thought life would be.
7: Remember, keep it steady.
13: Mobility is a complication for both mother and daughter. To help Isla, the family has received a power wheelchair, but transporting the heavy wheelchair required a solution, one that Variety could help with. Variety helped fund a robotic arm that helps lift the power wheelchair in and out of the family van.
1: So the fact that Isla was able to have this type of equipment that not only can get her into the vehicle independently, but also support her parents to have moments of respite so that they can just focus on being mom and dad and not the caregiver.
11: That's I think what's really matters. Are you excited to play sharks again, Isla?
18: Our job is to do our best to ensure that she's not limited um, by disability. Um, that we put those supports in place. she's off. Go, Captain, go. And she's just so much fun. So we want to do everything we can to uh, remove obstacles that cerebral palsy may put in place.
0: I couldn't be more proud
11: of of us and um, our ability to get places now.
0: Way to go, Isla and Mom and Dad. Thanks to your donations and some very cool technology, Variety was able to help Isla's family and you can help more families just by calling that number on your screen 310 kids or go to variety.bc.ca and make a donation there and that will be matched all news hour so take advantage of it right now if you can coming up coastal cleanup. well today I'm hoping to uh, run into some trash a local diver pulling all kinds of junk and even some treasure out of local waterways and later in sports, the Lions' star quarterback is ready to play, even if some people don't want him to. Look at all those generous people. Chris and April Watson, North Van, 200 bucks; 300 from Donna Wilson in Vancouver. 480 from Severo Williams in Coquitlam. Thanks very much. We are so lucky that here at... Global BC, we have so many generous viewers. No donation is too small. It all makes a difference. And during tonight's news hour, John Dornbosch of MSA Ford and Richmond Elevator are matching donations and doubling your dollars. So please join that list of names on our screen and support Variety, the children's charity. Great work already. Uh, some pretty wild weather rolled through. Let's check in with Christy right now for a look at the forecast.
17: Thanks, Chris. So, yeah, the rain was heavy at times today. Exactly what we uh, expected. Some lightning strikes, but this is a shot from the Maple Ridge area. Thank you to Martine for sharing that with us. There was reports of some localized flooding. Why? Because the storm drains haven't cleared. So, uh, if you can, head out in your neighbourhood, clear the storm drains because look at what happened in White Rock. And there were reports of that in Langley as well as uh, Metro Vancouver. So, thanks to Gail for that shot. And this is a photo from Raphael showing these massive cumulative Nimbus clouds that produced, yes, those incredible downpours of rain, but also a little bit of uh, a rainbow there. So thank to Rafael, for that. He was on the ferry. Okay, so we've got rainfall warnings in place. We also have wind warnings. The rainfall, though, is going to be substantial, and it will push in through about midday tomorrow, be heaviest late tomorrow, tomorrow night, and into Wednesday. Here's how much rainfall we could see by late wind Wednesday. So this is substantial. We're still at a drought level three across the south coast. So this stalled system over our area for such a prolonged period of time will be really great timeline of it again drier in the morning developing around midday and we'll continue to see that heavy rain across the south coast late tomorrow into our wednesday all right here's your forecast across the area for your tuesday we are expecting dry conditions for the interior but that won't last long by by tomorrow night you will also see rain not as heavy as what we'll see across the south coast but certainly some rainfall expected in the interior which is also what we need so there you go, everyone. Keep your rain jacket handy tomorrow. We're certainly going to see wet weather. It comes with gusty conditions through the Strait of Georgia as well as the west coast of Vancouver Island, although those areas not under a wind warning at this time. Hopefully a little brighter late in the week, but at this point, that's still a bit iffy, so tune back in. Tonight's Central Windows Weather window comes to you from Richmond. Lance shared us this photo with us. He was working on top of a crane in Richmond, and he said the photo was actually taken by a friend, or his co-worker, Chicken Wink, who didn't want to reveal his name. So I thought I'd put both names down.
0: <laughs> Chicken Wing, that's hilarious. Thanks very much. Christy <laughs> Squires here with a look ahead to sports. Okay, so despite beating Edmonton on Saturday,
10: Rick Tocchet didn't like what he saw from the Canucks.
9: Our puck possession, we're, we're not holding on to pucks. Uh, we're now battled.
10: Vancouver goes into <laughs> Philadelphia tomorrow with a 2-0 record, which has surprised pretty much everyone in the NHL.
0: All right, more later, also tonight. And this one here, it looks like about 22 pounds. The local diver dragging thousands of kilometers of junk up from the bottom. Later. I don't know if it's often that we talk about a a winning streak at the beginning of a Canucks season.
10: When it's the Canucks, no, we don't often talk about that.
0: But we we can talk about it now.
10: Usually it's like, what's going wrong? Oh, my God. (laughs) Not right now, well, it's not only always sunny in Philadelphia. It's always busy, especially tomorrow. There is a playoff baseball game. There will be a soccer friendly between Mexico and Germany. So the Flyers and Canucks game will be moved to 3 o'clock our time. And it's possible we will see Carson Soucy finally play for the Canucks. He practiced today in Philadelphia. He'll be a game-time decision. As for Ilya Mikheyev, who's with the team, he won't play. But Talkett says maybe, maybe later this week. Now, the Canucks are off to a better start than anybody thought, 2-0, two wins over Edmonton. But Rick Talkett was not happy with the way Vancouver played on Saturday, despite the win. He felt the Canucks were badly outplayed during large portions of the game.
9: You know, our puck possession, we're, we're not holding on to pucks. Uh, we're getting outbattled. Um, and that happened. Yeah, yeah, I understand Edmonton, You know they were going to come out flying, but I still thought there were some things there we should have cleaned up, and that comes with being competitive and holding on to pucks, and I didn't think we were as good as the first game. You can get away once in a while, but, you know, we, we can't do that on a steady diet. You know, you're not going to win those games. You're just not. But you can win some games if you stick together, and I thought we, that's the one positive that we did have some good game management.
10: Casey DeSmith played well as well. Uh, Elias Pedersen has been named the second star of the week in the NHL after getting six points in those two games against the Oilers. One goal, five assists. Uh, Starting tonight, he was tied with Matthews, Malkin and Gensel for top score in the NHL. By the way, Matthews was the first star of the week and Malkin was third. Look here, it's former Canucks Spencer Martin starting for Columbus against Detroit and here is Surrey's Michael Rasmussen scoring on him. Uh, That's not a good play in your own zone. And Rasmussen, uh, well, I mean, this is not a great looking goal on Spencer Martin, but Rasmussen does have a pretty big reach. He's 6'6". And then Dylan Larkin gets in the clear here and will beat Martin. In fact, uh, Columbus didn't score once in this game, so Spencer Martin takes the loss 4-0 for Detroit. That game is done. Well, the BC Lions have one regular season game left before the playoffs. It's Friday at home against Calgary. They still have a hope of finishing first in the West, but it's the same kind of hope that I have of waking up one morning and being six feet tall. It's not likely to happen. Winnipeg would have to lose two in a row. I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, but because there's a chance, minuscule though as it is, the Lions are not using this final game to rest key players, and that likely includes quarterback Vernon Adams, who was hobbling after last week's game against Hamilton.
19: Vernon's back behind you, working out, doing some extra work here on practice. Does it look like a guy who's going to start on, on Friday? Yeah, he's going to be fine.
11: Um... I have no clue what the decision will be, but I think he's all right. Um, he's a tough dude. Um, he's played through some stuff, so um, I think he'll be, he'll be good to go.
19: It sure looks and sounds like Vernon Adams Jr. will play in the Lions regular season finale Friday night at home against the 5-11 and Calgary Stampeders. But should he? Why risk it after Adams Jr. re-injured a beaten up left leg that forced him to miss a month earlier this season and is still not 100%? I'm
9: playing.
11: No second thoughts?
9: No. I'm playing. Yeah, I don't think I need two weeks off to uh, be ready for it. I need to still stay sharp and be good with my reads and things like that. So um, we'll see how much Coach Ricks thinks I should play, but uh, I told him I'm playing.
19: Thought process going into Friday's game in terms of using him or not using him.
9: If he's totally good to go and not
7: medically compromised and can do everything that he normally does, then we'll play him. And uh, we're, we'll see how he is. I think, I think that's going to happen, but we're going to let him come in here tomorrow and make sure that he's uh, totally good to go. And if he is, we'll play him. And you know, we're, we're trying to get a 13th win and um, you know, we're still competing for first place.
19: It's a bit of a high stakes poker game where the Lions appear to be going all in by playing Adams to keep those slim first place hopes alive. Even if BC wins on Friday, they need Winnipeg to lose at home to Edmonton on Saturday and then drop their final regular season game a week later in Calgary. That's asking a lot and also possibly risking another injury to the guy you want at his healthiest heading into the playoffs, a quarterback who's also just 347 yards shy of throwing for 5,000 yards this season.
9: Man, um, if it happens, that would be cool. You know what I'm saying? But, um, again, I just want to come in and make sure I'm sharp on my reads and um, I'm good to go there. Like I said, we'll see how long Coach Rick wants to hold me in or whatever it is, and we'll just go from there. Adding some new sports to the 2028
10: Summer Olympics in Los Angeles. One of them is lacrosse sixes, which is a different type of field lacrosse. Think of it as lacrosse's version of rugby sevens. Less players, more scoring. Baseball and softball will be back. Squash and cricket, which hasn't been in the Olympics since, uh, I think, 1900. And flag football is in. Those not making the cut, breakdancing, kickboxing, and motorsports. All right.
0: Thanks very much, Squire. A B.C. scuba diver who says cleaning up sunken garbage isn't his hobby, it's his responsibility. That's later. Andrea is here now with a preview of what's coming up tonight on Global News at 11. Ann? Thanks, Chris. A search is underway for a missing fishing boat
12: south of Hornby Island. Coast Guard vessels and two helicopters have been searching the area. Few details are being released at this time, but we will keep you up to date. And more reaction to the province's new legislation to crack down on most short-term rentals like Airbnb. We're talking to various stakeholders, including those in the tourism and restaurant industry, who say we don't have enough hotel rooms to begin with in Vancouver, and that could have negative consequences. We'll hear more from the hospitality industry and its solution going forward. That's tonight at 11. Chris?
0: All right, sounds good. Thanks very much, Anne. Now, for the past 10 years, a Metro Vancouver scuba diver has been dragging trash up from the bottom of BC's waterways. As Paul Johnson shows us, he's pulled up all sorts of interesting items over the years, including an e-bike.
5: Zipping into his dry suit, heading into the lake with an underwater scooter. You'd think the U.S. Navy SEALs had arrived in Abbotsford, but Henry Wang's on an entirely different mission. Well, today I'm hoping to uh, run into some trash. We watch as he disappears under the surface of Albert Dyke Lake and track his bubble trail as he scours the bottom. Only a few minutes in, and he's back with a tire, one of hundreds he's pulled from BC Lakes. It's an avocation that started when he and a friend dived in Bunsen Lake a few years ago. We saw all this garbage in the water, and we thought, okay, well, we better take some stuff out. More than 250 cleanup dives later, Wang has hauled over 50,000 pounds from dozens of BC lake bottoms, snagging every kind of item from the expected to the absurd. Check out the lime e-bike he dredged up from Deep Cove recently. That on top of countless containers and tires, and strangely, lots of bikini bottoms, but few tops. We're unclear on the sociology of that. All of these things are not supposed to be in the water column, and they do degrade over time. About a half hour later, Wang emerges, laden with garbage. And this one here it looks like about 22 pounds. Well, Wang will do the occasional sponsored dive for a lost smartphone. All of his cleanup work is volunteer, and happens because of this inspiring take on public service. Well, for me. Going into a lake and using my scuba diving skills to remove trash isn't something that everyone can do, which means that if I have the ability, then I have the responsibility to act. In Abbotsford, Paul Johnson, Global News.
0: Thank you for your work out there, Henry. All right, so we are at the end of day one of this year's Variety Week, and already we've seen an outpouring of generosity as we try to help as many kids as we can across B.C. So right now, with your donations and tonight's match from our sponsors, Variety can now help 70 children. You have all week to donate, but why wait? Call now or go online and make a difference in a child's life immediately. Thanks so much to everybody who gave this evening. Hey, we're doing it all week. We're here all week. So keep giving. Uh, Last word on weather before we go, Christy.
17: Sure. So we will be dry early tomorrow, but by tomorrow, late day, yeah, heavy rain. And we're going to continue to see that as the system stalls across our region. This is going to be great rain for our region, hopefully impacting the drought that we're seeing. And we're going to see some of that moisture in the interior also, Chris.
0: Rain, rain, and wind. Christy, I see a lot more raking in my forecast, my personal yeah. forecast, no doubt. All right. Thanks Don't very forget much, you guys. to clear
17: storm drains, too.
0: Yes. Good, good advice. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night.